welcome to day 20 of 31 Days of Terror. And I have three spooky listener stories for you today. And story number one comes from Ryan. I was spending a weekend in Marfa, Texas, which is sort of an artsy little tourist town in the desert near Big Bend. A very rocky, sandy, high altitude part of Texas. I was attending a little music festival there and it was very windy and it was triggering my allergies. So I wasn't really in the mood to drink very much with my friend and called it kind of an early night at around 11pm. Late at night, probably around 3 or 4am, I woke up and had to go to the bathroom very badly but I was really tired and it was freezing outside my sleeping bag and I didn't want to put my boots on so I considered trying to hold it in but I just couldn't. My phone at the time was an older iPhone and I maybe had 4 hours of battery life max and finding a dedicated power supply near the camping ground was impossible, so it had died, and I had no idea what time it was when I woke up. Now that the backstory is out of the way, I'll explain what happened next. Basically, after forcing myself from my sleeping bag, spending time lacing up my annoying boots in the cold, I left my tent, and walked about 8 feet to the path that leads to the bathrooms and the main guest service building. It's lit by dimly lit solar battery lanterns. It was the new moon that weekend. I knew for sure because I remember marvelling at how well I could see the stars because of it. That being said, I could see everything relatively well outside. It was dark, but if someone was approaching, it wouldn't be tough to see them. I was on the path, and as I walked maybe six feet down it from where I entered, I noticed that someone was crouching in front of a tent. I presumed they were setting it up. I didn't think anything of this as it was day one of this mini festival and I figured some people were getting in super late from far away. So I continued forward and then this person stood up abruptly and walked forward onto the path. They were probably 12 feet in front of me. The moment this person stepped from the camping area onto the lit path, they disappeared completely. The first thing that went through my head was, Was that a reflection of myself on the sand because of how bright the night sky is? I thought that didn't make any sense. I continued onward while thinking and then used the urinal and walked back to my tent. I spent maybe three whole minutes thinking about this experience. I noticed that the person's clothes were cowboy-esque. Very tall, short hair, a long sleeve shirt, baggy-ish pants that in retrospect looked kind of like chaps all the while looking at the sky and wishing my phone worked because the sky looked insane. It was like nothing I've ever seen before. I could see purple in the sky. The next day I met the person sleeping in that tent. He was a giant pot-bellied hippie, nothing even close to the figure I saw. And when I remembered seeing the disappearing figure, I kept to myself most of the day, eventually telling a friend. My strangest takeaways from the experience are that one- It didn't spook me at all. I was raised Catholic and my family is insane and I was afraid my basement was haunted my entire life. Finally seeing a ghost? I had no feelings about it. I didn't even stop walking. Even now when I write this I have no emotional responses to these thoughts. Number 2. The night sky didn't look normal. I'm positive it wasn't a dream because of all the physical sensations and the large amount of time it took to get out of the tent into the freezing cold. I also got a ton of sand in my tent when I got back and it was definitely there when I woke up. 
After two years of thinking about this situation, I believe that maybe I briefly stepped between dimensions or something very odd like that. Lack of emotional response feels like a defence mechanism or something. I would love to know if you've heard a similar story. And story number two comes from Julie. I just listened to your episode about the Stanley Hotel. I live in Colorado and have actually visited the Stanley many times during the day and have stayed there overnight twice. It's absolutely lovely. And it's not as isolated as you might think. It's in Estes Park, which is an adorable town with shops and restaurants. I think the hotel is definitely haunted, but I have had only one brief encounter in my many visits. The last time I was there, I was up on the fourth floor with my boyfriend. It was late at night, and we were admittedly looking for some sign of ghosts. As we were standing in the hallway, the door to the fire escape opened all by itself. My boyfriend and I looked at each other and said, Did that just happen? We then inspected the door. The door closes securely and only opens by turning the handle. Also, there was no wind at the time. Is this hard and fast proof of a ghost? Probably not, but it was strange. Anyway, I really think you should come there and stay. It's a beautiful hotel and absolutely lovely town. It's especially wonderful in the fall and the hotel always has fun ghost tours you can take. And also, if you come in the fall, you can see the elk that take over the town. And story number three comes from Jessie. My name is Jessie and I'm 30 years old. I'm a baker and a community theatre kid who lives in Ontario, Canada. When I was around 14, I was absolutely obsessed with anything that had to do with the paranormal. I would constantly research different things. Ouija boards, possessions, ghosts, hauntings, ESP, telekinesis, orbs, you name it, I'd probably researched it at some point. One of my friends at school was also interested, maybe not so much as me, but she believes in it all, and so maybe she humoured me. One day when I got to school, she said, Jess, I have a present for you, and out from her backpack, she pulled out a Ouija board and gave it to me, as a gift. She told me it had belonged to her grandmother and then she ended up with it and because she knew I was so obsessed with the stuff she gave it to me. I of course was thrilled and I couldn't wait to use it. I know that sounds super sketchy and I never really thought about that at the time but I honestly don't think there was anything sinister behind her giving me the board. She was just doing it because she clearly wasn't using it and knew that I was so desperate to find out if this stuff was real. The two of us did use it, or tried to at least, a few times, in the stairwell of her old apartment building, but nothing ever happened. I had tried to use it myself a few times at home as well, but it usually didn't work. My mind never had any doubt that this was just some fake toy. However, I just assumed that using it by myself never worked, because I didn't have enough spiritual energy. So one day, another friend of mine decided that we would use it together. This friend of mine had divorced parents, so she spent some time at her mom's house and some time at her dad's house, but both were in close proximity to where I lived. I have two stories, from both her mother's house and her father's house. The first story took place at her father's house. Her bedroom was in the basement, so we were down there using the board. I asked if there was anyone with us. The board slowly moved to the word yes. 
We both immediately asked each other if we were joking around, pushing the planchette and whatnot. But we both swore we were only just lightly placing our fingertips on the planchette and that was all. The spirit we were talking to revealed his name to be Harry, to which my friend immediately joked with and said in a bad British accent, Harry Potter. To which the ghost promptly replied, no. We had a good giggle over that. I don't remember much else from this time using the board other than one moment when my friend seemed to have fallen asleep at the board. Her head face down and her body seemed to be rocking back and forth slightly. But there was music playing upstairs and I thought maybe she was just bobbing along to the music. But when I called her name she made no response. When she came to and asked what was going on I was very confused. I said, what do you mean? Nothing happened. You dropped your head down and started bobbing along to the music and wouldn't answer me. She said that she had no recollection of the last few minutes. The second story took place at her mother's house. Her bedroom was upstairs, but she always liked to hang around downstairs in the unfinished basement. I hate unfinished basements. They creeped me out and still do to this day. However, we were using the board in a room downstairs in the unfinished basement. We were talking to a spirit who told us they were a small girl when suddenly we heard the sound of small footsteps running around upstairs. Now here's where it gets weird. She had no younger siblings who were home and no pets that lived at the mother's house. We were home alone as her mother had gone out to get groceries but we both heard the small footsteps running around upstairs. We both got up and went upstairs to investigate but found nothing unusual. Nothing had moved. We saw no strange spirit shadows or anything. However, when we went back downstairs, it got strange. We got downstairs into the unfinished basement which was dark and dimly lit by a single bulb that was in the room where we were using the board. We had to walk past a section of the dark and empty basement before reaching the room and it was here that we both saw this incredibly bright flashing light. It was so bright, like a camera flash, and we both saw it, but there was nothing there. I left her house soon after that because I had to go home. It was a school night, and it would be dinner time soon. I was walking home from her house and was stopped at a stoplight. I was carrying the Ouija board in a plastic grocery bag. At this stoplight, the handle of the bag suddenly broke, and my Ouija board crashed to the ground. This was nothing more than an annoyance, but for some reason it unnerved me. Once I got home, I couldn't help but feel like there was something still around me. I went upstairs to my room and again, honestly, I cannot describe to you the feeling, but I knew I wasn't alone. And something told me that if I used the board myself, at that moment when it felt like there was so much energy around, it would work. So I immediately put the board on my bedroom floor and put my hands on the planchette and asked if she, the spirit of the little girl we had just been talking to, was still with me. The planchette moved to the word yes. I did not move it. It was the most strange and powerful thing I've ever felt. The planchette moving on its own under my fingers. It went to yes. So I asked, if you are here, give me a sign. 
Directly after that, I heard two very loud and distinct knocks at my bedroom window. My bedroom window was on the second floor of our house. My mother promptly called me down for dinner and I quickly left my room, properly spooked by what had just happened. Now I'm going to speed over some time because strange things were still happening whenever I used the board, but I don't recall many of them. There were many small things. A knocking sound here, a shadow there, a small chill in the air here. It was all quite scattered. The one thing though, is that every single time I used the board, I felt like I was talking to the same person. It felt like no matter if I tried to use it by myself or with someone else, it always seemed like we were talking to the same spirit. The energy felt the same. The answers seemed similar. I had read stories about spirits inhabiting Ouija boards, so at this point I figured maybe this spirit, whoever it was, had inhabited my board. That was the odd thing though. The spirit never told us their name. Eventually I just sort of got used to it and assumed that any strange thing I thought I saw or experienced was coming from this spirit. The next story happened a few years later. I was around 17 or 18 at the time. Still the same spirit seemed to be around whenever I tried to use the Ouija board. I used to ride my bike to and from school every day, but to get there and back, I would take a shortcut through a cemetery. Now I know right off the bat that sounds made up and only there to make the story creepier, but it's true. The cemetery had been a place I'd been taking shortcuts through to school for years, in junior high and then into high school as well. It was never a scary place, just a place I knew my way through very well since I'd cut through it so many times. One day, on a weekend, I was taking a bike ride and ended up going through that cemetery on my way home. There was a building there, And close to it I'd gotten off my bike and was walking it around that building when I passed by the big glass doors at the front. And I tell you, I have never been more scared in my life. Because there behind the glass doors, which were always locked, was a person. A very tall, looming man who looked middle-aged and had shorter but messy hair and a clean-cut goatee. He was wearing a big black cloak with a hood I saw him and gasped so loud, but was immediately frozen in fear. I felt like I must have stood there staring at him for what felt like ages, but eventually I ran away from the window to catch my breath and regain my senses. I knew then without question that I had seen him. The man. The spirit. That I had contacted for all this time on the Ouija board. I went back to look in the windows again, but nothing was there. I will never, ever forget the feeling of... What if? What if I'd never run away in fear? What if I just stayed there and looked at him? What would have happened? Would he have moved? Would he have tried to speak to me? I almost felt a bit guilty. I'd wanted for so long to see actual proof of the paranormal. And the figure disappeared. I don't know what would have happened if I hadn't run and I never will. But I'm telling you I can never forget the clarity with which I saw his face. I'd seen him a few more times after, not many, but enough to know that it was the same spirit. He was not always in a black cloak, however. I eventually mostly saw him wearing comfy-looking red woolen sweaters and beige pants. Every summer I would travel about an hour and a half to see my grandmother and my younger cousins and stay with them for about a week 
It was always a very happy and hilarious time. My cousins and I had a very bizarre and immature sense of humour. Toilet humour cracked us up. We were very silly and immature most of the time. They were some of the best summers of my life. This year when I went to visit I brought the Ouija board with me. I was a big horror movie buff and had been trying to get my younger cousins more interested in horror movies, scary and creepy things like that. One night I told my cousin Ray that I had a Ouija board and I filled her in on everything that had happened and that I had seen so far. Ray was, and still is to this day, one of my absolute best friends in my entire life. We have both grown together, been in each other's weddings together, and so I can say that she would also tell you without a shred of doubt that these stories are true. It turns out that she had some stories to share too. Stories she had of seeing shadows or hearing strange things multiple times. She was fully on board with trying to see if we could again contact this spirit that was seemingly following me. Again, these stories are going to be quite scattered, but everything that I say happened, and we can both attest to it. One night we took the Ouija board down into my grandmother's basement. We always hung out down there, and would often stay up until the wee hours of the morning since the entire week I was visiting, and basically like a one-week-long sleepover. One of the earliest memories I have of us using the Ouija board was when again it seemed as though we had contacted the same spirit that seemed to be following me. She asked me how I knew it was him and I said, I just know, trust me. I'd never told her what this spirit looked like. I'd only mentioned the things that i had experienced. I did tell her that I'd seen him, but I never told her what he looked like. My grandmother had an old slot machine in her basement that we would play with as kids. One of the smaller things I remember happening that first time we contacted him was when we asked for some sort of sign that he was there with us. And then we heard a small dinging sound, like a bell coming from the old slot machine. It didn't move or spin around or anything wild like that, but we both heard the dinging of a bell. We carried on, trying to think of things we could ask the spirit to do that would confirm this was real and not just one of us goofing around. This was one of the craziest things I'd ever experienced, but I remember it so clearly. We took out a deck of cards and decided to see if the spirit could tell us what card was at the top of the deck without us looking at it. We tried a few times but it didn't seem to work. Then I had an idea. I picked up the card, told my cousin to close her eyes and I held the card out in front of me, with the back to me so I could not see it. I slowly turned around in a full circle so that the card could have been seen from any part of the basement. If there was a spirit hanging out in any corner of the room, I made sure that they could have seen the card. However, there were no mirrors in the basement, so there was no reflective surface off of which I could have seen the card. Neither Ray nor I knew what the card was and I put it back down again. Can you please tell us what this card is? And the spirit answered us on the board. The Nine of Hearts. We asked and confirmed that it was the Nine of Hearts. The spirit sent the planchette to yes. So then, after a moment's hesitation, and both of us taking a deep breath, I picked up the card and flipped it over. And we both gasped as we stared directly at the Nine of Hearts. We did this multiple more times, and every single time the spirit was able to tell us what the card was without either one of us looking at it. One morning Ray and I were alone in my grandmother's house. 
She still went to work in the mornings, but would normally bring us home donuts from the local baker's dozen to have for breakfast. We both woke up to the empty house and went downstairs. As we were sitting at the small breakfast table eating donuts, eventually I asked, Don't you sort of feel like he's here? Ray nodded immediately and said she agreed. It was an odd feeling, however. Neither of us felt threatened or scared. It was a sunny morning, it was clear and fresh, and we felt happy and carefree. But we both also felt this presence around us. When we finished breakfast, we went upstairs to begin our day. We would pick out our clothes, have a shower, brush our teeth, all of the usual. We both ended up in the spare room where most of my stuff was while spending time in my grandmother's house. I came into the room after having a shower and started trying to organise my belongings when I saw my cousin Ray staring out the window. She seemed a bit transfixed and then she smiled quite warmly and waved to somebody outside. I went over and I looked out the window. I didn't see anyone in my grandma's yard or the neighbour's yard. So I asked, who are you waving at? She said, there's a man down there. He looked sort of old with shorter hair, but facial hair too, like a goatee. He was wearing a red sweater, beige pants, and he was just standing there waving at me. I was in complete shock. She had just described to me the exact man that I had seen before. I wasn't sure if I should be frightened or comforted. I told her this, and both of us sat in the room in a shocked silence together until we heard a strange noise from downstairs. We knew that we were alone, so there should be no noises coming from downstairs. We quickly rushed down and noticed that the door to the backyard, a sliding glass door, had been slid open a fair amount. Again, however, we felt neither scared nor threatened in any way. It was such a strange feeling, knowing that these things were caused by a ghost. But we weren't frightened or nervous in any way. It just didn't feel that way. It was strange. But it didn't feel threatening at all. There were a few more occurrences that happened that week. My cousin Ray lived quite close to my grandmother. So one night we took the board to her house and tried to use it there. They had an unfinished basement, which, as you know, unnerved me to no end. During the night, while using the board, a cup of Sprite that Ray was drinking started fizzing uncontrollably and then spilled all over the floor. I also remember hearing a very loud knocking sound towards the back of the unfinished basement where there was a spare mattress. I never slept there and probably never would, and hope nobody ever did because the spare room was creepier than anything. When we were back at my grandmother's house one night, we decided to finally ask the spirit what its name was. It had been far too long without an answer, and I was too curious at this point. It was hard. The spirit did not answer for quite some time, but when it did, it was quite aggressive with the movement of the planchette. It told us, finally, that its name was M-A-L-Y-F-F. Pronounce it how you will because I've never seen a name like it and we were never really sure how to pronounce it. We continued to ask questions about him. Why was he speaking to us? Why for such a long time was he trying to scare us? He told us eventually that he was trying to scare us because he didn't know of a more efficient way to get our attention. He didn't really mean to upset us, he was just trying to get our attention so we would talk to him. 
We asked why he was speaking to us specifically and he said that I looked very much like his wife. My heart just about broke because how sad is that? We asked what happened to his wife and he told us that his wife had died during the Black Plague. He gave us dates that made complete sense as to when this all happened and as to when he and his wife died and I had researched at the time. I know this can be so easily translated into me making it up but I promise I'm not. It was so bizarre even then because why or how would he have gotten here? So maybe I did look like his wife. But if he and his wife were dead, why couldn't he just find her in the afterlife, whatever that is? It was all and still is quite confusing. After we got him to tell us who he was, scary things very rarely happened. He wasn't trying to scare us anymore after all. The rest of that week and any time we were together after that when strange things happened, like a weird sound or something moving or a shadow that we saw, we just knew. Oh, it's just Malif, there's no need to worry. I haven't used the Ouija board in a very long time. I wonder if I ever used it with Ray again what sort of stuff might happen, because clearly when we use it together we have a very strong energy. I still have the Ouija board. It's hidden away in a drawer in my apartment because I'm too scared and superstitious to get rid of it. In my opinion, there's no good way to get rid of a Ouija board, so I'm probably just going to keep it forever, hidden away. My husband isn't a fan of that. He thinks it's silly and I should just throw it out. But I always sternly tell him, no, don't you ever get rid of that board. I just don't want to know what would happen if I ever actually got rid of it. And that's pretty much the end of the story. I haven't used the board in many years, but I always wonder if I did try and use it again, especially with Ray, would we still be contacting Malif or not? Someday we might try. I wouldn't be against the idea. I'm sorry if this was long-winded and drawn out. However, I hope it was an interesting and somewhat scary read. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Thank you to Ryan, Julie and Jesse for sending in your stories. And if you would like to send in your story, you can do so by sending it to Podcast at gmail.com. You can also check out our website, reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com. And on that note, we shall see you tomorrow. Tomorrow.